0: Hey guys, it's another episode of Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design Podcast, and we are uh, getting ready for the new season here, and it's time to meet the flight boss. Mike Sorg, video producer and podcaster here. You maybe saw me last season around the events. Looking forward to being out there again with the camera and capturing the action. We have with us here in studio, first of all, the university programs manager at SAE, Sam Burrell, with us.
1: Hey, Mike, how you doing?
0: And also, Sarah Guffey, the university <laughs> programs coordinator. Hey guys. And uh, on the line with us is the flight line boss and chief judge with SAE Aero Design, Glenn Cashin. How you doing?
2: I'm doing fine, Mike. Good talk to you. It'll be
0: great to. Uh, I'm looking forward to this and learning more about uh, what you do out there. First of all, Glenn, like, how did you get involved, and what's your kind of involvement in uh, kind of air design in general here?
2: Well, my uh, initial involvement with RC Aircraft uh, started in 1968, and uh, I've been flying RC since then. Um, I got up with uh, some of the folks at the local university. They were looking for a pilot in 2007, and uh, I kind of got volunteered for the job, and I've been involved ever since um, as an adjunct professor, as a pilot, and also as a rules committee member and chief uh, air boss.
0: Excellent. And tell us a little more about like what, what, is your, what does your job entail when you're uh, on the site for uh, these, these events?
2: Uh, my general job as the flight boss and chief judge are to make sure all airplanes and all flights are conducted safely and in compliance with the rules. So I'm out there making sure all airplanes are safe, all the flight line is safe, and uh, making sure the planes take off and land where they're supposed to and make sure nothing comes off the planes.
0: Of course, you know, there lack, lack goes into uh making this a smooth operation to get so many teams as many chances as they can they can in uh a day on the field. Can you give us a basic idea of what a team needs to do to prepare to fly as they approach the flight line?
2: Well, the different uh different classes, the micro class, they come out, they uh, are wearing their safety gear, always wearing their goggles and their uh safety helmets. The uh, pilot checks the controls and um uh, a the student there's the launches zone and launches their aircraft. They fly the circuit and then come back and land. Uh, So the micro class is pretty simple, taking off and landing by hand launching. The regular class, they are staged up in a line. They come out, uh, they're told to put their plane on the line with their mains on the starting line. They roll out down the field and take off, fly to the first cone, uh, make their turn, come back, fly their final cone and land inside their landing zone. The uh, advanced class is slightly different. They get to take two passes by their landing, uh, their drop zones. So they can take an upwind drop, a downwind drop, or two up or two down. So it gets pretty interesting and, and kind of complicated when they're flying. It takes a little more time. But uh, this year, the advanced class is going to be dropping multiple payloads, which I know you've covered on previous podcasts. Uh, And it's going to be very interesting to see the howlers come out and see the CDAs flying around and uh, watching the water bottles drop and bounce and burst and uh, kind of explode into the air. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun watching all that happen.
0: A lot of new action this year for sure. Of course, the first day is the uh, welcome ceremony and the mandatory uh, uh, event uh, for everybody. How is it? how important is it that uh, everybody does attend that and absorb that information?
2: The uh, Friday night meeting before the all-hands meeting is what we call it uh, is where we discuss all the rules, the uh, local modifications that may happen, different airfields are different sizes, uh, prevailing winds are different, local clubs have different rules, and contest directors have different uh, regulations that they want to follow at different fields. So. That all-hands meeting is where we clarify all these items. A lot of points have been lost because teams did not attend that meeting, did not know where the landing zones were or what the proper protocol for entering or leaving the runway. And uh, we've had a lot of teams lose a lot of points simply because they didn't come and attend that meeting. The other nice thing about it is we generally do a prize giveaway. I'm sure we're going to probably continue to do that and the teams that are there not only get a reward of getting extra points of knowing what's going on, and they're more efficient on the flight line and safer, but they also get an opportunity to win some nice prizes.
0: Excellent. You spoke a little bit to the advanced class, and, of course, uh, we went more in-depth with it on another podcast here uh, in your feed that you guys can check out. Uh, it's a totally new arena uh, for this year and, and this um Can you shed a little bit more light on what to expect, differences in the process, and and what more they need to kind of pay attention to for this new uh, advanced class?
2: Okay, well, both the uh, regular and micro are just going to fly one circuit and come to a stop inside their proper landing zones, the micro being 200 foot long by approximately 50 foot wide, and the regular class being 400 feet long, and approximately the width of whatever the runway is, it varies per location. The advance varies significantly because they get the entire use of the runway for takeoff and landing as long as they do not depart from the runway on landing. And they have to drop their CDA outside of the drop zone, uh, which is 200 feet away. So they have to drop it. Their glider has to glide autonomously all the way to the target and land inside of the target for them to score points. Then they can pass over the target area and drop their... Uh, habitats or their uh, food supplies, which are represented by water. So it's uh, there are different altitudes they drop at. The CDA has to drop between 50 and 100 feet outside of the drop zone. And the uh, drop zone for PDAs, for the um, water bottles and the uh, habitats, is 100 feet so they have to be 100 feet above the drop zone to make that drop it'll be very interesting to watch and should be tremendously entertaining
0: a lot of moving parts there looking forward to that can you speak a little bit to the advanced class frequency request process for 2019
2: Uh, in the past few years we've been using fpv systems and since it's an international competition there are a multitude of channels that are available for fpv Uh, more items have become commercially available so those Frequencies are being more utilized and it's a smaller group of frequencies. Also with the advent of FPV uh, racing and drone racing, uh, there's a large market for certain frequency usages. So what we've come up with this year to reduce interference is a request for frequency. The teams are in the advanced division are supposed to call or are supposed to send us an email and ask for a first and second choice of frequency to use for this competition. Uh, I then go into a spreadsheet, assign them a suitable frequency, which has distance from some other team. uh, And that way, everybody gets a unique frequency to use. There are going to be some overlaps at some point because there are only so many frequencies that are usable. So it's a a first come, first serve. The uh, process we're going to follow this year is if your team has a frequency assignment and the team behind you has the same frequency assignment, then we'll ask the team that is one that is behind you to bump back one position so that the FPV systems are not turned on at the same time for both planes. Uh, yes, you can go to the SAE website and look up the website address which is G-L-E-N-N-S-A-E-F-R-E-Q at gmail.com and send a request to that site for your frequency that you would like to use actually give two choices also make sure you include whether it's east or west competition and your team number and your school name we've uh at this point we've had about half the teams report in for the east division which will come up first and right at a third that have requested frequencies for the west I know that uh, a lot of these teams have been out practicing and we know that they're all very ready to use their frequencies, but I would hate for them to get to the competition and their frequency be overloaded and they can't use the one they've been practicing with and they have to go to one they're not prepared to use. So the earlier they get those requests in, the more likely they're going to be to get the frequency they want. I've already had to redistribute a couple of requests and one team did not get their first or second choice. And they've had to go to a third choice. So that information really needs to get into us as soon as possible. And I will uh, assign the frequencies and send the emails back out confirming what your frequency is for which event.
0: Yeah, and like Glenn said, if you go to the news feed at saerodesign.com or if you look at the app on the news section, um, we posted it a little while back, but it's about... Um, it, the title of it is New Advanced Class Frequency Control Process. And that's where you can find Glenn's email that he stated a few minutes ago and all kinds of information about it. And it's also available on the FAQ as well at saerodesign.com. So it's definitely there. You can always email us at collegiatecompetitions at sae.org if you have any confusion on where to go. But um, definitely definitely look into that so that you can get it squared away. Glenn, what are some helpful hints uh, for teams to make their flight line experience more productive this year?
2: Well, the uh, first thing I would say is to make sure they're prepared. They have all the items they need on the flight line. Their radio is ready. Their pilot is ready. The plane has been checked out and rechecked. Teams will wait in line for 5 to 10 to 15, 20 minutes. And that's a good time to check your plane over. Make sure all the clevises are tight. Make sure the prop is tight wheel collars are tight, little things like that that cost points. Uh, The idea here is to score as many points as possible and to fly safely. So if the team is prepared well and they do their extra safety check before they get to the flight line, they limit the number of surprises they have when the clock starts. With the micro division, they only have 60 seconds to get airborne once they enter the, the square. The regular class has two minutes once they get to the flight line to put their plane off the runway. The advanced class gets three minutes, but they also have to uh, set up their computers and have all the data link down and all the FPV link. This has been a problem in the past. And since we've gone to electric, I think reducing the vibration and the interference caused by high frequency motors will expedite that take process. And I'm hoping that the students will take the time between now and the competition to test their equipment and see if they can speed up their processors and speed up their boot up process. Doing those things and being prepared well in advance of the competition makes for a far more funded competition. It allows them to do things that they should be, which are interacting with the other teams and learning new things and learning about other cultures and it allows them to intermingle with uh, the vendors that are there and the corporate sponsors that are there uh, because this is a, it's much bigger than just an aero competition. It's a way for them to intermingle and meet other people interested in the same thing they're interested in, and also possibly get jobs.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Glenn. Thank you. One of the one of the things from SAE standpoint is you have to remember, Glenn is the, you know, when we talk about the flight line boss, uh, that is a very very descriptive title for that position. And I should say that volunteer position Glenn has assumed over the years. Um, a lot of what Glenn does ensures not only the safety of the event, but ensures as many people um, as, or as many flights as he can, uh, given the time we have. So please, when you come up to that line, uh, Glenn will be there more than likely. He'll have a, 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 vest on an orange or green vest and he will tell you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And if you listen to him, help him out with those instructions. He will make sure that you have as as successful as a flight as you possibly can.
0: What are the things you've seen over the years and uh what kind of stuff should teams uh avoid doing?
2: Well <laughs> over the years in this competition, I've seen lots and lots and lots of successful flights. Uh, many teams and high levels of celebration. I've also seen some very disappointing crashes. Uh, I've been a pilot during some of those unfortunate instances. Uh, we call them opportunities for learning new things about new aircraft uh, from the inside out. Uh, we also call it freeing up equipment for another airplane. Um, the, one of the biggest things that I think is important is that the, uh, the flight lines stay safe and that uh, you're always monitoring your aircraft and all the possible things that could happen uh, for pilots I always make sure they understand that they need to be looking for where does this airplane have to go in. Uh, one of the most unfortunate parts of my job is uh, I'm generally standing with a pilot. I'm their caller. I'm talking to them about what's going on. I'm checking the runway, make sure it's clear for their takeoff and landing. Uh, but the worst thing that happens is a plane gets out of control or starts to fly into an out-of-bounds area, and I have to tell the pilot to put the plane in. Um, that's an unfortunate situation that happens. It does happen about once every two events, and I know that there are students that put hundreds and hundreds of hours of research and building time into these aircraft, and universities have put out tens of thousands of dollars to get students to the event, and it's uh, it's unfortunate when I have to say it, but when I tell you you have to put it in, you have to put that airplane nose down and put it in the ground. Uh, it's for the safety of all and uh, to keep the event safe. That's what we've got to do. It's unfortunate for the team, but it uh, it's also important for all the other teams that are there.
0: Lastly, you know a lot of great tips through this, but if there's one uh, piece of advice you can give for the 29 season to teams and, and individuals, uh, what would it be?
2: One really good piece of advice that I can give is practice, practice practice. Practice going to your airfield. Practice making sure you've got everything you need when you get to the flight line. Practice all your safe habits. Make sure you have your safety gear, your glasses, your goggles. Make sure all your batteries are charged, particularly your flight batteries and transmitter batteries. Uh, If the battery fails on you to not let you take off, that's a lot better than a plane that takes off and we have no control over it. Practicing makes for preparedness, and if you're always ready for any question that might come up, then you're always prepared for any event that may come to you. And uh, as a full-scale pilot would say, you're always looking for your next landing spot. You always anticipate something is going to go wrong. So if you're ready for anything, then only good stuff can happen.
0: Excellent. That sounds like a good point to uh, close out on uh thank you so much for joining us uh and uh looking forward to uh, uh seeing you in uh the competitions this year glenn
2: well great mike i look forward to seeing you there and uh it was nice meeting you in florida before and uh, uh just keep your eye on the plane and we'll be getting along just fine
0: <laughs> always like i said learn to uh keep my head up during those competitions for sure uh, while we're getting, <laughs> gotta be safe while getting those good shots right
2: that's correct <laughs>
0: thank you so much and thank you sarah and and Sam here for uh, uh, being part of this as well. So uh, and please, everybody be safe out there and we'll see you a competition. Thanks for listening to Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. So email aerodesign at sae.org. The show notes for this episode and all others can be found at aerodesign.fireside.fm. Stay safe and we'll catch you next episode.